uh, our next guest is Rada Sterling. She is a leading UK-based human rights advocate, a crisis manager and a policy consultant focusing on the United Arab Emirates and a wider in the wider Middle East. She is the founder and CEO of a British-based organisation, Detained in Dubai, uh, which have helped more than, oh, over, almost, I should say, 20,000 victims of injustice over the past 13 plus years. Uh, due process, international and IPEX, Interpol and extradition reform. Sterling also hosts the Golf in Justice podcast, and it is my immense pleasure to have Rada Sterling on the program. Hi, Rada. How are you? Hi, Dean. Yeah, great. Good to hear from you again. I, I, I forgot how excellent your voice was. Uh, you could always have a career in uh, in radio if you uh, if you ever, ever want to have a bit of a break. Um, I, I think you've got a tremendous speaking voice, and I, I remember uh, we've we've chatted before, and I love what you're doing over there. Thirteen uh, was it? Thirteen? No, almost twenty thousand victims of injustice over the last thirteen years. That is quite the uh, the number. Well, we're over 20,000 now and it's 15 years. So it's an incredible number and it's unexpected. I mean, most people would never think that you would be able, well, that there would be that many cases of injustice, but there are for sure. Now, I've, I've been told to ask you, in fact, my, my producer insisted uh, on asking you about the horrendous case of a British citizen named Albert Douglas. If you could give us an update on that particular case. Uh, Albert Douglas's case is uh, heart-wrenching for one. Uh, the fact that he uh, was arrested for a crime he didn't commit, he was arrested for uh, and charged with signing bounce checks that he didn't sign. Um, so his son had a business there, uh, which went badly. His suppliers didn't pay him, which then caused him to uh, default in an onward chain fashion. Now, his son went to the UK and he decided on legal advice that it would be perfectly safe. This is Albert now, his father, perfectly safe to return to the UAE because he had nothing to do with his son's business. Uh, alas, that was terrible advice because um, the UAE has a history of charging family members or people close to you, friends, in a way to keep you as a hostage in hope that that will um, cause the other party to pay if they care about you enough. But the issue is when when people are not deliberately defrauding, they actually genuinely don't have the money. So what ends up happening is a family member is, is jailed for the crimes of someone else. And we're not talking crimes. All of these matters in Britain would be dealt with through the civil courts. They wouldn't be criminalised like they are yeah. in the UAE. So anyway, in 2019, he was arrested and he was taken to a prison in Abu Dhabi where he was beaten to the point of having broken bones, and this is by the prison guards themselves. So beaten to the point of broken bones and various he uh, head injury, a very severe head injury. He was forced to drink from the toilet. Um, he was completely mistreated. And he was later transferred to Dubai and made the complaints about the torture uh, to ourselves and to the British Embassy. So later, an investigation was launched in Dubai, just upon pressure from the British government. And they have produced a report since then outlining all of his complaints about the torture. And they said that he could face his accusers. And they actually wanted him to be transferred back to the prison where this happened. And he was still receiving death threats from them. And he was, you know, so frightened to be transferred back there. And it was, it was sort of an emergency when this happened. So we had to request the British government telephone Dubai on an urgent basis and stop them from making this transfer. And they did. They intervened and they took him back to Dubai. 
But this is not wow. the first time it's happened, this this kind of abuse and torture. And we've actually launched a United Nations application for Albert. Uh, we had approximately 10 years ago, Lee Bradley Brown. He was he died in police custody due to brutality. And I was uh, witnessing an inquest in the United Kingdom just last year uh, investigating his death. This is a really common issue. We had Matthew Hedges, British national. He was... Uh, detained he was accused of being a british spy and later found that he wasn't but he's actually taken a uh, high court case here against general al racy for the torture that he suffered general al racy is now the head and this is an emirati general the head of the uh, interpol organization so you can see how these uh, issues are sort of permeating not just in the uae but they're, they're extending the sort of judicial and jurisdictional power outside of the uh, UAE, which is extremely concerning. Now, Albert, it's a, we've been lobbying. Sorry, go on. No, no, I was just going to say, I, I just can't believe that, A, that's happening and just how commonplace it must be. Uh, the fact that you've had to deal with over 20,000 victims over the years. I mean, we uh, are very lucky in many ways to have the, the justice system, you know, or well, the comparative uh, justice system. I, I would argue ours is very flawed as well, but certainly we don't have to face uh, that level of violence. Yes, certainly. I mean, this is this is a country and other Gulf nations as well that the UK won't even extradite citizens to based on the real risk of torture and human rights violations. So it's surprising in a sense that then we have the British government really trying to promote trade and tourism between the two countries and entering into this very, very close relationship where the UK's perhaps even a little bit frightened to lobby for changes in the UAE. The uh, we, we've obviously raised Albert's case directly with the government on multiple occasions. It's been discussed on the floor of Parliament. And they have got involved, but they haven't actually achieved anything. Albert um, has been in jail for almost three years now. He served the criminal sentence. And forensics actually proved that he was innocent of the charge for which he served the sentence. So Dubai actually issued him with a pardon. Uh, 17 days before the completion of his sentence, but they didn't release him. They're still holding him and there's no further charges against him. So he's just in this no man's land. And the British government assures us that they're heavily involved. The highest people in the FCDO are taking it seriously, but they're not achieving anything. And this is surprising because you see countries like Canada, the United States, able to get their citizens out and the citizens that they've achieved freedom for have had much more complicated cases. One Canadian citizen had 73 charges against him. And Albert, you know, his case is so simple. Why can't the British government actually sort it out? Is it because they don't want to? Is it because they're using these opportunities to visit Dubai, kind of pretend to talk about human rights, but actually Liz Truss in doing that, where she said she was going to raise Albert's case, she came back with a new trade deal, not with Albert's freedom. So this incestuous relationship with uh, the government of Dubai in particular, uh, it's really concerning. There have been a lot of reports about it, and it looks like either the British government is losing power and influence in the UAE, or otherwise they are just simply promoting those trade deals and trying to make money out of the country at the expense of British citizens.
It really does sound like the failure is, uh, you know, it, it is with the, the embassy. It was, it is with the politicians. I mean, if if trust was that was over there making a trade deal, surely that was a, a massive bargaining chip to get a couple of. Uh, in fact, I would suggest there are probably several UK citizens um, back to the UK, and for them not to do that just shows a massive level of of just them not caring. I mean, I can't think. I don't think you can misinterpret that anyway. Well, Liz Truss was actually questioned about the issue and she was asked um, as she was uh, running for Prime Minister, what have you done about this uh, particular case? And she couldn't even remember his name. She couldn't remember any of the names of any of the people that she was supposed to be negotiating uh, for during her visit. So uh, absolutely shocking. Since uh, Rishi has has come into office, there hasn't been any change on that either. The FCDA, again, they've asked Albert um, to stop going to media and to be quiet, to give them an opportunity to negotiate with the UAE. But seven months later, nothing's happened. It really is horrific. And again, I would ask people listening to put themselves into the mindset of somebody who is in a foreign country being treated abysmally is somebody who is not only not guilty, but somebody who has served the sentence and received a subsequent pardon and to not know when you're going to get out, to have evidence that would suggest that your own government doesn't seem to care. Every day must just be a complete nightmare for people such as Albert Douglas. Yes, certainly. And uh, it's not pleasant receiving telephone calls from the prison on a regular basis from someone in that situation, someone whose bones were broken and he didn't receive uh, medical treatment for nine months. So the bones sort of mended in the wrong way. They had to re-break them and give him further treatment. So, I mean, that in itself is shocking. And the United Nations, I submitted an application to them last year. They take a year to reply and then asked me, is this case still ongoing? Do you still want her help? Of course. But, I mean, one year is absolutely outrageous, frankly. But it's not just Albert. I mean, we've had a, a huge history of uh, tourists and expats getting into the same sort of trouble there. Uh, we had a lady, Morag Kusa. Uh, she was held on the basis of her ex-husband's debts with a bank. And it was only after we went to media and sort of put pressure on the bank to to drop that case that she got home. She was stuck there for two years. Uh, we had quite a number of um, uh, veterans, actually. Veterans tend to go to Dubai for whatever reason. We had Robin Berlin. Um, he used to work in the Queen's Guard, actually. And he lost faith that he was ever going to be free of Dubai. He was stuck there. He was becoming homeless. He wasn't allowed to work because when you're, when there's a case against you, you, you're, you can't get an employment permit. So he's stuck there. He actually made the decision to try to escape Dubai. And during his attempted escape, he died possibly of dehydration in the desert as he tried to cross a border. So, I mean, that's just extremely sad. We had a, another British uh, veteran, Andy Neal, a family man living in Dubai, and he was arrested because he had someone's number in his WhatsApp, uh, a neighbour, and that neighbour was arrested, suspected of uh, drugs, and they just basically cast such a wide net that they arrested everyone they knew, basically, and charged them, prosecuted them. He ended up in jail, tortured, abused for one year, before finally the court realised he was innocent and they acquitted him. But he doesn't get that year back. He's completely traumatised by it. So these wrongful prosecutions happen on a regular basis. And then on the tourist side, we had 
uh, Lala Sharavesh, I don't know whether you remember her, she was uh, traveling to Dubai and she was arrested on arrival for a Facebook post from years ago that she'd written uh, in the United Kingdom and shared on her private wall. And it called her uh, ex-husband's new wife Horseface, which isn't that <laughs> offensive, really. It's not that bad, <laughs> no. She was, no, it's not that bad, but she was she was detained there, and you can imagine how traumatic that was. She'd actually gone to Dubai to um, bring her daughter to pay final respects to her father, who had uh, recently died, and they ended up, the daughter was held in prison with her mother. I mean, it was just an extremely emotional situation, and her daughter, 14 years old, came home to London and started campaigning for her. So these sort of situations, you know, the tourists, whether it's about alcohol or offensive behaviour, and obviously the uh, Tierra Allen case is, is all over the international media at the moment about the rental car. But we've also had James and Stanley, two British nationals, who had a sort of similar circumstance where they asked for their passports back from the rental car agency. And then the rental car agency accused them of assault and took a criminal case against them to try to extort money from them. It was oh. later proven and showed on the BBC through um, uh, the CCTV footage that the rental car agency had completely fabricated that story. So also that's a common thing. So even if you follow the letter of the law when you visit, it doesn't protect you from these common false allegations designed to just get money out of tourists. And I'm guessing that unlike here, where if you are, in, uh, you know, falsely imprisoned, you may receive a significant amount of compensation. Uh, by the sounds of it, that's not going to be happening if you're in the UAE, the in Dubai or any of those places. Oh, absolutely not. There is not a chance. Even someone like Andy Neal, who was held for one year in prison and then acquitted, he would never be able to get compensation in the UAE. No way. It really is horrific. You know, in, in many ways, I guess we've got it rather, rather good here. Um, just quickly, we've only got about 30 seconds. Uh, is there any, uh, if you had one tip on how people could possibly avoid any of this, do you have one or it's just the luck of the draw? I think it's the luck of the draw. Um, yeah, absolutely. You can't even rely on the warnings on the UK embassy because they're just too short. And um, I, I would say avoid Dubai, learn as much as you can if you must go and try to lay low. Radha Sterling, I very much appreciate you coming on the program. I love you as a guest. I mean, I, I ask you a question and you're a wealth of information. I had an interview recently where I'd ask a two-minute question and get a 10-second answer. It kept me rather busy and on my toes. Uh, speaking to you is an absolute joy. I very much appreciate what it is that you do for others and I hope that we can chat again imminently. Oh, definitely. Thanks so much and have a good day. Always an absolute pleasure. Uh, pleasure. Uh, everybody, that's Rada Sterling. She's a leading UK human uh, uh, rights advocate. And if you ever find yourself in trouble, look her up. She'll help you out.